What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 72. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Oh, it's going, dude. Uh, it's really cold out all of a sudden. Yeah, October, November does be like that up here in the Northeast. Uh, we get October is partially bipolar. September is very bipolar a lot of the time. And then November is just instant cutoff for cold. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm seeing how long I can make it into the month without turning my heat on. You can see I'm a little more bundled up than I usually am, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding strong out here. Yeah, I do the same thing. Pre-release is coming up. We, we got to get that cash to, to <laughs> get, a, get a bunch of pre-releases going or just uh, spam draft the new set a bunch. Yeah, no, I, I do the same thing when the weather changes like this. The benefit I have is that my office is in a very small room and my computer runs, well, the computers, plural, that are in this room run hot enough to kind of keep it heated on its own. <laughs> so I don't really need oh, to turn that, the heat nice. on in here. Well, I will say I'm currently rocking some uh, some branded merchandise that Zach can see. Uh, if you want to get your very own draft shaft hoodie, I got to say this thing's pretty, it's pretty nice. It's one of those like nice lightweight ones. It's like good for fall. Go, go check it out. We got a store. You can go buy one for yourself. Yeah, and you can find that at store.draftchaff.com. Anyway, we're already we're already getting to the plugs. We didn't even talk about what we're doing. This is the Midnight Hunt format farewell. I I'm I'm mad, dude. Like we have to say goodbye to such a cool format already. What the heck? Like it, it felt like we just started Midnight Hunt three weeks ago. Or wait a minute, did we? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, right? Like I I think we did. Uh, it, it it's been. A pretty quick one. Also, by the way, I got that URL wrong. It's not store.draftchaff, it's shop.draftchaff.com. But all that's always in the episode description. But yeah, it is pretty mm -hmm. sad that we're leaving We're leaving this format. I don't want to say it's sad we're leaving this plane because we're not. Uh, and given, like, it was an enjoyable format, but given the sort of overpoweredness of some decks and the drastic underpoweredness of some other decks... I'm excited to see what another take at this version of Innistrad can do for us. I'm really hoping that we have a more balanced format for Crimson Bell. With that, on to our usual housekeeping. If you're not in the Discord already, check it out. It's the best place to be to chat all things MTG, especially limited, but also a handful of constructed things. We like to talk EDH over there as well. It's kind of the two formats of choice for Ben and I, limited and EDH. So definitely check that out if you're interested in either of those two formats. We have a lot of conversations going on over there, especially for spoiler season here. And if you want to support the show directly, the best place to do that is on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who support us in our content creation each week. We're beyond grateful for all of you and really can't thank you enough. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series where we walk through your drafts sent through 17 lands. We go pick by pick and just commentate on our thoughts on those picks and then eventually do the deck build ourselves as well and kind of compare contrast to what we would have done and what you did. It's a bit of a, an asynchronous coaching session from us. You can also get access to stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards sent right to your door. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff Pod. All right, let's get into a crack a draft type thing. I've got a nice one to, to kind of round out the format. It's a bit of a tricky one. Uh, pack one, pick one. I took a Moonvale Regent, and to be honest, I did not look at much else in the pack. <laughs> I slammed that Moonvale Regent. And I want to talk to you about my pack one, pick two. It's a, uh, well, let's just say that this is not going to be drafting the easy way. First out, we've got Sun Gold Barrage, then Stolen Vitality, 
Might of the Old Ways, Gale Drifter, Duress, Drownyard Amalgam, Diagraph Horde, uh, Crawl from the Cellar, Celestis Sanctifier. So somebody took a common out of this pack. Yeah, I'm going to guess it could be a handful of things. I mean, I also can see the rest of the pack here, sort of, so I, I'm not entirely blown away by that, but it's probably an organ hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably an organ hoarder. Yeah, I, honestly, out of these handful of, uh, of commons, I like Diagraph Horde the most. Crawl from the Cellar, Gale Drifter have been uh, pretty solid. Uh, Stolen Vitality is, you want like one copy in the Festival Crasher, Red Spells decks. The rest of this is, is just junk. Yeah, yeah, not not overwhelmingly thrilled with any of these. Now, notably, Stolen Vitality is the only red card we've seen so far, and I've got a spoiler alert for you. There's no more. So, um, again, we pack one, pick one, that Moonvale region, which is, of course, a bomb red mythic. The uncommons we've got, Dryad's Arrival, Chaplain of Alms, and Borrowed Time. Okay, okay. I'm a fan of Borrowed Time. That, that card has been one of the better removal spells in white. We talked about it a couple of episodes ago. Definitely one to keep an eye on and probably the pick for me so far. Let's see what our rare is. If you've never cast Borrowed Time on your opponent's Gale Drifter, oh man, it feels like such a great blowout. And our, our rare here, Curse of Silence. I'll be honest, I uh, I don't remember exactly what it does. I think it like makes something cost more. Something about drawing a card when someone actually plays it. I remember thinking like, okay, that's cute. Limited trash. Let's move on. <laughs> Yeah, basically. I mean, it is a one-mana curse, but, like, it doesn't do a whole lot, especially for limited, so, yeah, passable. I would definitely be on the Borrowed Time here. Yeah, I was between Borrowed Time and Chaplain of Alms. Now, there is some uh, there's some discussion to taking the Stolen Vitality and just hard-cutting red. You know, just showing the people to your left, like, if you are thinking of drafting red, stop. And then maybe you'll get hooked up with some sweet red cards in pack two. But I didn't think that was worth it. I thought it was best to just take the highest value card in the pack, which I did agree was borrowed time. Chapman of Alms has been nice, too. I really like this uh, this plucky little one drop, which then, again, flashes back as a two-power first-strike flyer, which really just holds back the fort. Nothing can attack into that in this format besides, like, a handful of the three toughness, which is honestly the bigger side. Once you're a 3-3 three, three in this format, you're on the bigger end of the of the spectrum. So sometimes that contortionist troop will drop as, like, a 5-5 five, five or 6-6 six, six and just dominate a game all right on to our teferi tibble here this is our roses and thorns style segment where ben and i share a high and a low from the past week so ben how's your week been pretty good uh, i gotta say my my first teferi to come to mind is i'm currently drinking a hot apple cider which is my all-time favorite beverage it's just the best put a little sim in there too it's just un unbeatable unbeatable as far as other cool stuff that happens um i've got a three-day week and actually, I have a question for you. So I have off on Thursday and Friday. So my week this week is only Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's teacher's convention, which means it's nice and easy. I get to, well, I'm not going to go to that. I'm going to sit around, play some magic, get some work done, have a nice four-day weekend. Now, my question for you, and the question I asked all my students today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's my whole week. So today we're recording on Tuesday. Is today more like a Wednesday or more like a Thursday? Hmm. Because it is the day before the last day of the week, but it is also the middle of the week. I think because we are so accustomed to the five-day work week and rolling out of the weekend into a Monday, your brain... Like, Mondays typically, at least for me, kind of takes a bit for your like brain to be like, yeah, we're in working mode and we have to actually get stuff done and there's no leisure, really, to be had during, during the work hours. Uh, so I, there's a little bit of catch-up to play there. And then Tuesday, it's like full swing work mode, we're getting stuff done, and then you start to roll into the middle of the week with Wednesday, and then, it, you know, you slow off. So I would think 
Tuesday would still feel midweek more than a, like a Thursday because we're not accustomed to the three-day week. But then Wednesday mm-hmm. obviously would feel much like a Friday at that point. So I, I think you actually skip the Thursday in, in that sort of scenario. Thank you. You're the only person that's actually had a reasonable argument that agreed with mine. <laughs> so like <laughs> all my students said that today was like a Thursday. And I was like, but it's the middle of the week. Like we, we are halfway through the week. Today is the, uh, the center, right? Leave your responses in Discord as to whether or not today is a uh, like, comment and subscribe. If you think today is a Thursday. <laughs> anyway, this is some nonsense. Um, uh, I'm excited to get caught up on work for once. The end of the marking period is coming up. So I got some grading to get done, you know, making sure everything's up to date. One thing about uh, about teaching that the fellow teachers listening will know is that there's a sense of catharsis from actually getting all those grades in and being like, all right, brush my hands of it. It's done. That's it. You know, like we're, we're good with that. Another Teferi I want to mention, potential cool collaboration coming up. Maybe more on that. Maybe not. Maybe we'll never talk about it again. If it comes out, you'll know. All right. All right. How about your Tibble? Honestly, I don't really have one this week. It's a pretty it's a pretty good thing. Ooh, instead of a tibble, I'll say one more to fairy. Uh, I got some plants over the past week. I've decided to become a plant guy. <laughs> I'm a green mage at heart, right? So uh, I have plants. I'm going to do my best not to kill them. We'll see just how green my, my thumb really is. Yeah, I refuse to get real plants because I know they will die in my care. Uh, so <laughs> so not doing that. But we might get some fake ones. Yeah, that, 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 that counts too. I am... Well, let's just say I did a lot of research and my research included Googling easiest plants to take care of. (laughs) Seems fair. Seems fair. Well, for me, I mentioned it briefly a bit ago, like in the intro, but it's November, which is freaking ridiculous to me. I can't fathom that we're already into the 11th month of the year. This, This is ridiculous. I don't know where October went. I'm kind of glad it's gone, but in any case, being that this is the first week of November, we just rolled out of Halloween which was a lot of fun. Definitely had some fun at that that party that we had talked about a few times on the show. Ben finally yeah, got to time. see what my uh, my costume was. And for the listener, my wife and I dressed up as Jack and Jill from the, the nursery rhyme. I assume it's an American nursery rhyme because any of the international folks that I've talked to haven't heard of it. And then a lot of Americans haven't heard of it either. So I'm not actually sure how popular it was. But essentially, there's a nursery rhyme about these two kids, Jack and Jill, who go up to say the rhyme. (laughs) They they can look it up. It's fine. Oh, man. In any case, we we like made ourselves look all beat up. And uh, my wife did a great job painting on uh, like a black eye on me and all sorts of stuff. It was was pretty fun. The unfortunate part about that costume, though, was that my name is Zach. And at the party, it was relatively loud and not very many people could hear that well. And I was wearing a name tag that said, hello, my name is Jack. <laughs> so every time I introduced myself, people thought my actual name was Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and didn't get that it was part of the costume. In any case, uh, it was a lot of fun and got to meet some cool people there as well. So that was fun. Other than that, I'm feeling a bit on the mend. I have a lot more energy than I did last week and the week before that. I'm still dealing with some anxiety and stuff, but working through that, just happy to be not super fatigued every day. That That's, uh, that's been a huge blessing. In terms of Tibbolts, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I, I don't really I don't really have anything to say about that. Uh, it's been a pretty medium week. Like nothing really awful has happened in my my life. So yeah, we should probably stop talking about it before uh, <laughs> the karmic justice is rained down upon us and you know something bad happens. So anyway, let's uh let's talk about the listener question of the week coming from Koga. How do you think Midnight Hunt stacks up to other draft formats? So I think. I have to admit something pretty embarrassing 
about this format. And I don't think I should be doing this on the show because it, it, it hurts our credibility a little bit. Oh, God. When Ben and I do these format farewells as of late, we, we go back and we look at our 17 lands data and we, we've added some things regarding that data so we can kind of commentate on, on things that we know actually happened as opposed to just anecdotal, we think this happened. Well, in doing so, I realized I have drafted Midnight Hunt a total of four times. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened, to be honest with you. I, I guess I just didn't have any time in the last month or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've only drafted it four times. So I don't really know in terms of play patterns how the format stacks up to other formats because I just haven't had enough experience. But I've done a lot of looking through deck lists and talking, obviously, with, with Ben and, and others in the Discord, like talking about how, how the format has played out. And overall, I think it's been quite good despite the overpoweredness of blue black it could have been far far worse and i i appreciate the way that it has corrected so far it seems like it actually is still very enjoyable well for the the three or so listeners that haven't tuned out after uh <laughs> <laughs> well that's why uh, i have you uh, around <laughs> no to be honest i think that's uh that, that's a good take and it's important to show that like sometimes real life happens and this is a game right we love it it's an awesome game probably the best one but uh, it is second to our real life commitments, and you know it, it's good to recognize that. Plus, that's like one draft a week, which I think is pretty reasonable, right? We didn't have this format for like six months, like it feels like we have some. That's fair. I the other piece is that I tend to avoid drafting when my mind isn't entirely in it because that's just a good way to throw away gems and gold. Um, and I had mm-hmm. two weeks of the month where I was feeling completely out of it, so. I'll I'll rely on that crutch and we can just move on. <laughs> but, so but what about you? How did, week. That's yeah, even better. How did how did it stack up for you compared to other formats? I really liked it and I know why. It's the white cards. The white cards have inherent card advantage, which is such a rare treat. And that means drafting aggro just gets so much fun. It means that you have this, for those that didn't read my article that I posted over on Card Sphere, highly recommend you go check that out called uh, the Halloweenies, <laughs> the, old, the old weenie roast. And I've spoken about this at length in, in the episode that we talked about this too. White has inherent card advantage, which is just not something it gets very often. Now, it doesn't always look the same. Search Party Captain literally says draw a card, but other ones like Morning Patrol, uh, Luminarch Veteran, these ones kind of draw you a card based on their disturb halves. Yeah. This allows you to I don't know, play out a normal white aggressive game plan And then at the point when the normal white-based aggro deck kind of falters and doesn't get to continue curving out because it's dumped its hand, instead it has access to more cards through the graveyard or through some of these uh, high card value creatures, something like a Morbid Opportunist, for example, might be drawing you extra cards, or maybe you pair it with blue and you have more disturbed creatures, or maybe you pair it with red and you have extra reach from burn spells. All these, these really interesting ways of making white aggressive decks good. I think, uh... Honestly, I've trophied more with white decks in this uh, format than blue-black. I've played a few close to mono-white decks that I've trophied with. Where, like, I'd be base-white splashing one or two colors. I think my best deck in the format was my Obzon, basically Obzon white weenies deck, where I had, like, there's something stupid. I had, like, three Candlegrove Witches, Elisa, a Sigardian Savior, Sarath the Viper's Fang. It, it was this absurd Obzon rare pile built around the mono-white weenies package. So personally, I love this format because I got to leverage my skill, which I think has kind of shifted away from mid-range. This is my, my big confession. I think I'm more of an aggro player now. I think I just love cracking in there, beating down. Siege Rhino is still number one in my heart. Uh, and Tireless Tracker isn't budging either. But 
I don't know. I just love closing the game out. And this format really allowed me to uh, to, to kind of leverage my my experience and skill with that particular vector. So overall, I'd say this is personally for me a very high format, one of my favorites in recent memory. I think it certainly had its its ups and downs, right? Yeah, and I just have to say I'm I'm very happy and pleased to hear you say that about your shift to aggro because <laughs> I started as an aggro player and the next natural transition from being an aggro player is to being a control player. So we're we're getting you there. You're almost there. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Well, this but. took what? I don't know, five, six, maybe seven years for you to transition from mid range to aggro. So I'm expecting double that to get to control and, and then we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I, I think I'm on this aggro plan for a while. Plus, I think I'm I'm like I'm aggro with my toes dipped back into mid range. It's like, well, if my aggressive deck happens to top out. See, originally when I started playing modern, I was like, okay, how can I build a deck around Siege Rhino? Now I'm more focused on, okay. How can I make Siege Rhino my top end? <laughs> so, <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, I, I, that, that's that's kind of my, my shift in mindset here. Cool. Well, let's get into it. I mean, this is the format farewell. So we are giving away our Chaffee Awards for Midnight Hunt. And our first one here is Most Powerful Card. Yeah, uh, Chaffee is going to go straight to Meat Hook Massacre. Uh, we, we got our first experience with this one in the very first game we played in this format, didn't we? We did, yeah. Two-headed giant pre-release, and we got, well, our hubris got us a little bit. We misplayed once, and then it it destroyed us. The ability to massacre essentially two boards. <laughs> I mean, th- this, this card was strong enough to deal with the threats that two players could throw at it. So, yep. And then the life gain from the kill spells and, and all this other nonsense, it, it was just, it was nuts. I wanted to give some honorable mentions. Tovalar's Huntmaster and Lisa, Forgotten Archangel, these both feel like some of the strongest cards you can have in play when they're on the board. For example, a turn where you get to play Lisa and cleanly attack with a bunch of creatures that would trade or win in combat just feels stupid. The fact that all your creatures get returned to hand and all your opponent stuff gets exiled is huge. Tovalar's Huntmaster is Grave Titan. I don't think there's much else to say about that one. Uh, but Meat Hook Massacre is a, uh, it's, it's, I think, better at all stages of the game. Huntmaster and Lisa are a little bit win more. Yeah, I mean, I also have to look at, at what decks they belong in, right? And um, Massacre will gladly go in any black deck in this format. I don't think there are any, any decks that involve black that are too either aggressive or, or off vector for Meat Hook Massacre. Pretty much all of them will slam this card. Whereas Lisa and, and Huntmaster kind of need a little bit of working around and, and Huntmaster happens to really belong in a deck that isn't so great in this format. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're not both amazing cards, but they are harder to make work because of the, the vector around them. True. Next up is our Chaffee for the most annoying card. What have you got for this one? Yeah, so I have two and I couldn't quite decide on which was more annoying. Meat Hook Massacre being one of them because frankly, when that card comes down, it is... It's it's more or less game over, and that can be really annoying, especially if you're, like, well ahead. And then my other most annoying card is not actually related to play patterns. My, my really? Next, yeah, my next most annoying card is Organ Hoarder, and the reason I'm so huh. annoyed with this card was simply because of the way that it, it just destroyed discussion in this format in some ways early on. Mm. Like, anytime you saw an Organ Hoarder in a pack, people were like, there's no contest here, just take the Organ Hoarder and, and move on with your life. And like we even had this discussion surrounding mythics, that bothers me. I don't want to be taking a common over a mythic in any set. 
I know that there are some mm. mythics that are plants for constructed formats that don't work in limited, and that's fine. I understand that. But when you're really having a serious conversation about taking a common over your planeswalker, <laughs> that that bothers me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I do like it when rares and mythics are like fun and flashy and actually good and limited, right? Yeah, for sure. My most annoying card has got to go to. <laughs> this is maybe a little weird choice. I'm gonna put Hound Tamer at number one. Hound Tamer's ability to untap and then basically be unblockable forever is, um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I found it really annoying to play against. found it hard to race. Uh, I found that it was often the best card in any of the green decks that it was in because, you know, they didn't have much else going on. And this is a werewolf that actually had some, uh, some onboard beef, especially if it flips. Uh, honorable mentions, Curse of Leeches and Broodweaver. Uh, Curse just being a brutal card to try to play against and Broodweaver just getting in the way of all my little flyers that I like throwing around just and when you kill it there's another spider Ugh, annoying indeed our next Chaffee award goes for best jank which is one of our favorites to give out here so I'm going to uh, give the Chaffee to every card with disturb because <laughs> <laughs> when we first saw all these we're like okay how good is it exactly to get a 1-1, one, one, and then later on pay two more and get another 1-1. One, one. Or like you pay a, a, for a 2-1, then you get a 1-2 flyer. Turns out it's really good. It's incredible, and it's a lot of fun too. In particular, I think Lunark Veteran and Morning Patrol take the take the cake for the best jank. Like th these cards don't look like they should work. More Lunark Veteran does not look like a card you should be taking. I mean, is it the best white common? I don't think so. Is it the top five? Definitely. Yeah, and I, I mean, we know Lunark Veteran's potency is is relative to the fact that there are so many zombies floating around, and that extra life gain is huge in this format. I think if you were if they were to reprint Lunark Veteran in like a random set that doesn't have this unwritten clause that you start your games at 16 life, you probably wouldn't care about it as much. Um, mm. But I agree, Lunark Veteran is one of the better jank cards in the format. For me, another one was Scab Wrangler, and that's because mm. Scab Wrangler is the type of card that I think most people looked at at the beginning of the format and were like, this is just terrible. Like, it's just awful. And it actually turned out to be one of the better blue commons in terms of win rates when played. So it's jank in theory, but it actually worked out quite well. Our next chaff is for the chaffiest chaff. Now, um, we might have to do a, a refresher on exactly what our definitions of chaff are, but... The easy version is uh, chaff is the stuff that's most likely to get left behind at the table, you know, whether it's rares, uncommons, commons. But like, I don't know, when you think of chaff, what's your word going to? Yeah, right of harmony. It's a clear constructed plant that just didn't get there for limited. Nobody's going to want. And it also doesn't seem to do anything for constructed either. So you just like, like who <laughs> want, who actually wants rights of harmony? Like nobody. Now, it did see play in that Scoot Swarm deck that Saffron Olive was, was messing around with a while back. It was some kind of like make infinite tokens, draw your whole deck in two turns. Personally, it does actually trigger on enchantment. So personally, I think this might be a plant for Kamigawa. But Could be. I don't know. The fact that you have to cast Red of Harmony and then also have creature or enchantment enter the battlefield, it's just so annoying to use. This was also my top pick. Although I also had Wake to Slaughter as a consideration. I, I don't know if I cast that one. Then, well, <laughs> that category is coming up, but uh, Wake to Slaughter is just like, I don't know. It'll never see constructed play, as sad as that is to say. 
Uh, not unless we get some sort of nonsense reanimator deck. I, I am really dubious of whether or not that one. I can just, I mean, I haven't been to an in-person draft event in a while, but I can just picture that one sitting at the end of the table. It, it looks like just the kind of card that people will say, oh, some commander player will want that. Leave it on the table. That remains a 15 cent rare forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is actually sitting, oh, that's one of the promos at a, at a dollar, but uh, mm. the actual normal print is exactly 15 cents. So good job. Ooh. Didn't even know that. Awesome. <laughs> I know my chaff. Well, speaking of, our next Chaffee Award goes to Most Unexpected Chaff. And for me, <laughs> it goes to every werewolf in the set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're all so yeah. bad. And, and, like, some of Not them are Hunt good Master. in their own right. Some of them are good in their own right, and Huntmaster is one of them. But, come on, it's the werewolf set. Mm-hmm. And it was recently pointed out to us on the Discord, there wasn't even a mythic werewolf in this format, unless you include Arlen, which I guess you can include Arlen. But there was no mythic werewolf creature in this set. That's a good point. I didn't really think of that. Huh. Bizarre. My most unexpected chaff is going to go to specifically Tovalar. This doesn't happen much anymore. But there was a time in this format where you would get like a sixth or seventh pick Tovalar. Now, this was clearly during the time when content creators were saying, oh, get off the red-green werewolves train. They're all bad, which, you know, yes. However, got to use context clues sometimes. If your opponents are passing you, uh, like, red and green rares, uh, you might be able to tempt me in, into a, a nice rare draft and a potentially strong deck. Lean into the red uh, spells vector. I mean, like the, the green aggressive humans vector. Like, there's good stuff you can do, even with a bunch of good werewolf cards in your deck. I mean... Lightning Bolt is an amazing common. <laughs> like, y- you can still do something with that. Uh, I also want to shout out every single black and green card. Every card that's both black and green, just, it should have been better. Ghoul Colors Harvest, Old Stick Fingers, like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, they're, like, virtually unplayable in most scenarios. I don't think I've ever seen Old Stick Fingers cast. I cast it once. It was, like, a 5-mana 3-3. Three, three. Oh, and then it turned into a 2-2 when I I, uh, I brought back one of my creatures from Graveyard to Hand. So, not the most thrilling <laughs> play experience. Yeah. Next up, we've got the Chaffee for our top drafted commons. Here, I'll start off. I've got Clarion Cathars as my top with 28 picks. Now, I, I'm thinking back. Most times when I look at my top drafted commons, I've picked them at least 50 times. So definitely a small sample size. I didn't draft this set as much because I've had a, like Zach, a very busy month. Uh, And also we only had like a month to draft this instead of like two, three months between sets. So we're definitely at a bit of a disadvantage here. But I I picked a lot of Clarion Cathars. Very proud of my top three. Next is Search Party Captain at 25 and Silverbolt at 25. So very clear what kind of decks I like to play. Yeah, I'm extremely embarrassed about my top drafted commons. My... Tied for first place is Electric Revelation, and for those who don't remember what that card does, because it's it's <laughs> not one that was drafted very often, that's the three mana instant at common that draws two cards and you have to discard a card to cast it and then has flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I drafted five of those in my four drafts, and then I drafted five Organ Hoarders in my four drafts. That one I'm not embarrassed about. But then my yeah. my next like runner-up cards, I drafted, there, there are four cards tied for fourth with uh, sorry mm. tied for second with four four copies drafted tavern ruffian immolation mm. Mm. festival crasher and devious cover-up mm. 
okay, okay, okay. Uh, you can tell I was into some speed. weird janky stuff in the beginning <laughs> of this format. You know, that those those five organ hoarders, I think, do save your credibility quite a bit. I mean, <laughs> e- quality over quantity, right? I suppose so. So our next chaffy here goes to worst bad card to lose to, uh, a loner here from, from our friends at LR. And what, what, what do you give this to? Uh, I've got three picks here. The top one, Necrosynthesis. That's the, the one in the black one where whenever another thing died, it basically turns something into an unruly mob. <laughs> unruly mob is actually my, my number two because it just feels like these cards shouldn't do anything. These auras that are just so fragile, you stick them on something and just hope that your opponent doesn't blow you out instantly. There's a bunch of good bounce spells in this format. Like auras are not that likely to, I don't know, stick for a while. And Necrosynthesis just didn't feel like it. But every once in a while, trades would happen. Your opponent would stick this on a 2-2 and a few turns later it's a 10-10. And you're like, all right, well, guess I'm dead. <laughs> uh, Cathar's Call is the other one I wanted to mention. This, I think I only lost two once because I just didn't happen to have the removal. These, just these auras aren't very playable, which... I don't know, it makes me a little skeptical about the upcoming set where blue and white seem to have a Disturb Auras theme. Which, I don't know, as a Bruna Commander player, I know a thing or two about blue-white auras. You really need some good creatures that are worth suiting up, and, well, I hope removal is a little weaker in this next set, or those auras aren't going to be worth much. Yeah, definitely agree on Necrosynthesis, and my like runner-up here was another aura, and this one was curse of shaken faith oh yeah that's the one in a red rare curse uh that's an enchanted player and then whenever enchanted player casts a spell other than the first spell they cast each turn or copies a spell it deals two damage to them and the reason i i had this one is just like it's so slow it like eats up your turn two and then you've got to cast more than one spell a turn from then on to get your to shock them which i guess it's yes it's it is them so it doesn't hit creatures and I mean, that's great. And I originally read this card, to be honest, as like one of those when they cast their second spell do this. So I thought it only triggered once a turn. It is actually each spell they cast after the first. So it does it can do a little more damage than than, you know, it, it maybe otherwise could have. But this still just feels awful to lose to. I will say I was uh, <laughs> I learned that clause the hard way. Uh, I was playing these white aggro decks where I'm casting like three spells on turn five or six. And I remember I, I did get turn to Curse of Shaken Faith. And I remember taking like, like I think 10 damage total off of one of these things. I just kept like dumping my hand. I still won the game because right. I, I played a million creatures. But I, I realized very quickly like, oh, this is too every time I play a spell. Like if a few things go wrong, I will just lose. Like if my board gets wiped, I will just lose here. But uh, I don't know. Could, couldn't stop the white weenies. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's just too slow. And then your opponents, like you can spend your two mana to cast this this curse and then your opponents can be like, okay, slam a massive five drop. Yeah, just curve out. Pass the turn. Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so. Mm-hmm. I, I love it when my opponent plays a card. I'm like, oh, you just basically mulligan to six and didn't even know it. Yeah, exactly. Next up is the Chaffee for our pet card of the format. Somehow I'm not at all surprised by yours. Yeah, for me, my pet card this set was Spectral Adversary. Love me some Mythic Spirits, and uh, Spectral Adversary is a unique one, so definitely happy to have that one in this set. Mine, I gotta go my uh, my old boy, uh, Search Party Captain. I just will never pass this card ever. It's a white cr- common creature that says draw a card. Like, what am I supposed to do? And it's aggressive. I play it for, it's a one mana 2-2 that says draw a card. 
you know, it's, it's great. Um, I do also have to shout out my, my, my two boys. They're hasty. They, uh, they come from out of nowhere. They win you the game on the spot every time. Rem Carolus and Angel Fire Ignition. I just, I just can't seem to pass them. No matter how hard I try, I know they're not always good. In fact, I know they're more often than not bad. But I just can't seem to pass up Rem and Angel Fire Ignition. I cast Angel Fire Ignition on Rem Carolus once, and it was the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, that's an achievement. That's an achievement for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely a flavor win. Uh, do I recommend doing this? No. Do as I say, not as I do. Actually, just kidding. T- take these cards. Play them. <laughs> they're pretty good. All right. So our next Chaffee here goes to most disappointing archetype and altogether class werewolves. Werewolves. <laughs> Freaking <Next>. werewolves. <laughs> I don't know. It, how often do they name a set after something and then that something sucks? It's like that's not very often. They, they usually have these pretty well balanced. Yeah, I really can't remember the last time something like this happened. And it's it's really sad, especially because have how werewolves have kind of been stiffed in the past. Like there are some werewolves out there. Are there many good ones? I don't know. Maybe like 10, 12 good werewolves. Yeah. I mean, Huntmaster of the Fells was, was cream of the crop at its time, but even it's, it's certainly outclassed by a lot of other stuff going on these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Let's not linger on this for too long. Hopefully we get some more cool Crimson Vow werewolves before this is all over. What's the creature you most want as a pet? This was a tough one for me. I was actually looking through for like some spirits because I think some of them would be cool. And actually, I thought when I first saw it spoiled, I thought Nebelgast Intruder looked like some form of it, like maybe an animal of some kind that mm. was dead and then is now a spirit. So I, I kind of thought of Nebelgast Intruder. But I ended up just picking the Sunstreak Phoenix because mm. who wouldn't love to have a phoenix? I know it doesn't belong on Innistrad, but that's cool. I'll just go take <laughs> it and bring it away from Innistrad so we can reset all that is good and holy in this world yeah that's fair fix the plane up in the meantime i like it <laughs> now that i think of it there's uh there's probably some ethical problems when it comes to having a spirit as a pet isn't that what the obsidot did the the orsav council wasn't that their whole thing like keeping spirits enchained to to do their okay, like, okay. business and- i would argue that there's a difference between keeping something as a pet and keeping it as a slave is there (laughs) well sure i mean i don't view my dog as a slave i view my dog as a pet like i there's an amount of love involved and you know Mm. there's you're more or less friends slaves are typically not friends with their owners that is a good point that is a good point although i will point out have you been paying your dog uh living wages my dog doesn't work she sleeps in her bed all day long and i give her free housing okay but Back, getting back on track, I do think owning the the spirit of a deceased person is probably a little messed up. No, it's true. I I don't think I would pick the, the like a person. I was hoping for a spirit that was some form of animal that was spiritized, but I couldn't find one, so I didn't settle on that. It looks like we got one for the next set. I saw a spoiler that was out of a a kitten spirit that was absolutely adorable. Okay, so, so that's probably that front soon. runner. Yeah, probably front runner for for card I'd most like to have as a pet. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go with the other four mana, four power, flying red mythic, <laughs> the Moonvale Regent. Uh, I love these dragons. I always love the design of Innistrad dragons. And I don't know, riding around on the back of a Moonvale Regent just feels like, I, what, what more could you ask for, right? Uh, it's an all-terrain vehicle. I mean, I assume dragons on Innistrad can swim. Probably, right? Uh, you know, I, you beats me. Oh, well. You ever hear that thing where <laughs> the idea that a, a horse-sized duck would be the ultimate mount. 
I have not. I've heard the whole, would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? But I've not, I've not heard that question. Well, yeah, I mean, the obvious answer to that is the the one uh, horse-sized duck such that you can tame the horse-sized duck, keep it. And just think of it, it, it can run. Ducks can run. They can sprint. Uh, they can fly. And they're fantastic swimmers. So you it's get true. the all-terrain vehicle of, uh, <laughs> of, of mounts. Yeah, that's true. I assume a dragon would be able to pull off most of that stuff. What were some cards you never cast? Almost all of them. <laughs> oh man <laughs> yikes uh just going down the list here very quickly yeah easily like easily hundreds <laughs> like i did not i did not oh, cast most cards in the set i didn't draft it very much so i didn't didn't really get there well that's understandable i think we'd be disingenuous if we ignored that right i think it'd be worse if we were like yeah we we uh we draft a million times every set and we're amazing at it. <laughs> no, I mean, that is that is kind of why we form the show the way we do, right? Like, we aren't pros and we don't take the game that seriously, even though we do try to level our game up every now and then. But yeah, sometimes life gets in the way. So yeah, I would say just quickly, some of the most disappointing cards I didn't get to cast, like that I wish I was able to cast, was probably Denik. I really would have liked to cast Denik. Mm. Um, I, actually, did I cast Denik? I think I had it in the pre-release deck, but I can't remember oh, if I ever cast oh. it. Yeah, you did have it in pre-release. That's right. Forgot about that. So that would definitely have been one. The um, the red artifact that gets counters that you had in pre-release, I would have really liked to, to cast as well. And I oh, would have loved to yeah. play Slogger, the Overslime, <laughs> which I never got around to casting. I did get one slogurk going with like the whole eccentric farmer and organ hoarder plan i think i got a slogurk up to a six six once it wasn't easy to get that thing to work but honestly i'm really excited for this uh midnight double feature thing where you get to combine the cards from both even just from the spoilers it looks like a lot of the archetypes are very similar i mean we might have to pick up a box right yeah we could definitely definitely uh try to make that happen and hopefully they Hopefully they keep the archetypes mostly the same, but then shore up the bad ones. Like hopefully werewolves is playable. Uh, we did mm. see already there are some higher rarity werewolves that seem to be decent in uh, in Crimson Val. So here's hoping. Oh, another disappointing card I never cast: Morbid Opportunist. Never got to cast that card. Mm. Yeah, man, that, actually that, that's never a fun drafted one. it. Yeah. Dang. Next time, right? Did you ever get to cast Lear, Disciple of the Drowned? I don't believe so. It's the mythic that gives all the stuff in your graveyard flashback equal to its mana cost. That's that a very no, you card. Cast that one. A few that I never got to cast, or rather chose not to in the case of uh, Curse of Shaken Faith, Bramble Armor, uh, Hedge Witch's Mask. These ones were intentional. But there were a lot of playable like things in this set. A lot of playable commons. For example, Thraben Exorcism, which is just a straight... F minus in, in normal limited is an all-star in best of three. I mean, you can put it in your in your best of one deck, but when you go up against an actual good red-green deck or blue-red deck, you're just going to be pretty embarrassed by it. I, although, like I said, I found that and a lot of the other cards to be reasonable on the sideboard. Good cards I didn't get to cast, Dawnheart Mentor and Death Bonnet Sprout. Dawnheart Mentor, I just preferred my green-white decks to be a little more aggressive and this green card is not, it's, it's, it's zero power and it gives you a 1-1. One, one. My, my white decks were very white heavy and just solid attacking. The Death Bonnet Sprout, honestly, don't really know how I missed this one. I think other people probably just always snapped them up and I was never super interested in like forcing green early. 
I would have picked one earlier up in, in early in late game if I could have or like late in the draft, but I don't think I ever got the chance. Our next chaffy word is our typical would you rather chaffy, and this this set we've changed it up a little bit, and the question is: Would you rather be forced to draft werewolves in all future mid drafts, or actually be a werewolf? And I don't think this is particularly <laughs> close. I would absolutely prefer to just be a werewolf, one hundred percent. Yeah, maybe I didn't think this one through. Is it upside to be a werewolf? Okay, I think if you were to specify a werewolf on Innistrad versus a werewolf in real life, mm. like if you're a werewolf in real life, there are two sides of the coin, right? You are either like you're the only one who knows that you're a werewolf or only your like inner circle, your close people only know are the only ones who know and you just kind of control it. You don't go out on a, on a full moon or whatever. You lock yourself up and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Or you're like in control of yourself when you're when you're a werewolf and and it's just a cool thing you can go out in the forest and like I don't know run around or something. The other side of that coin is that like someone finds out that you're a werewolf and you're the only werewolf in existence and like you know the government comes in and like takes you to a lab somewhere and just keeps you locked up. I guess that's an option too. But if you're a werewolf yeah. on Innistrad, then the the equation changes a bit because well they're pretty feared and treated pretty poorly in most cases and I don't know I I would definitely prefer to be a werewolf. I don't think there's really a whole lot of downside to that. Well, one downside that happens on Innistrad, it seems that if you get called into the pack, you kind of lose your mind a little bit. Yeah. Arlen mentions in the story that when she was little, she would uh, she kind of went on like a, a rampage and then kind of woke up from it. And that's when Tovalar welcomed her into the into the pack. So I don't know if it involves going on a uh, memory loss inducing blood rampage, then you know, I don't know. I like my neighbors. I don't think I, I don't think that sounds like a good idea. But uh, like you mentioned, may, maybe there's not as much downside if it's if it's a real life lycanthropy situation. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm chucking all my silver. Uh, I'll take the werewolf on this one. It was just so painful to draft uh, what should have been an awesome deck and then just get utterly blanked by these stupid little blue, white, disturbed creatures or efficient black removal spells or or stuff like that. All right, so it's time for our last thoughts on the format. What have you got? Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I didn't really get hands-on with the format too much, but overall, overall, I thought it was quite fun. There were a lot of interesting archetypes, a handful of colors that were very deep, a handful of colors that were not so deep, but most, you could pretty much put a deck together with any of the colors, and it was interesting to see the ceiling-floor dichotomy between some decks. Uh, very excited that we had a blue-white deck that was pretty solid for for the first time in a while, and um, hope hoping to see the same in Crimson Vow. I did have a ton of fun talking about the set overall. There's a lot to talk about with this one, and a little bit sad that we didn't we didn't get more time to draft it overall, and that I personally didn't have it more time while we had the set to draft it. I I'm looking forward to this one coming back and doing some flashback drafts with it. Yeah, a lot of similar stuff for me. Uh, this is, to be honest, one of my all-time favorites uh, in, in recent memory just because of that the whole white aggressive aspect of it, and that's just my play style exactly. I would say the presence of a top deck in the format was not enough to, ter- to like truly deter me from wanting to play it just because these blue cards were so deep that, I mean, I felt like other stuff was playable. And I actually really enjoyed the tra- the challenge of self-correcting, as, as I mentioned, Um Trying to figure out how to be the self-correcting performer. I said this was a fun format. I really liked the way it evolved. I liked a lot of the cards in it. And, uh, you know, white commons with card advantage. Keep them coming my way, right? Also, the spells package. Got to mention that I really liked incorporating the spells package. So this was a a nice brain teaser of a format. And I'm excited for the the next one in Crimson Vow. All right. So speaking of Crimson Vow, what are we looking forward to next? We've got some uh, we've got some spoilers already, and we're continuing to get them every day at this point. So, 
What have you seen that you that really calls your attention and, and makes you excited to see Crimson Vale? I, as I mentioned, do like Enchantress. Now, I might not seem like the most blue-white player in existence, and I'm not. Much to Zach's <laughs> distaste. But I do love Bruna. Bruna is one of my all-time favorite commander decks. For those that don't know, it's blue-white auras. And... Look, I like sometimes just suiting up a thing with a bunch of auras that make it bigger and just killing my opponent. I really like the uh, the, the blue right, uh, rare spirit, Dorothea, is that what her name is? It's like a two mana 4-4 four, four flyer that dies and you can, uh, you can disturb her as Invocation of Saint Traft, which is, uh, well, that's not the name of it, but that's the old card that used to do it. It's an aura and whenever that creature attacks, you make a 4-4 four, four flying and uh, that thing is tapped at attacking too. I love this. It's a throwback to Geist of St. Traft. It's a throwback to Invocation of St. Traft. And now we're seeing that once again, blue and white are, are fighting for justice. I don't know. I'd like to see some more power in the tribes. I want to see some more good werewolves, some more good zombies, maybe, uh, maybe even some vampires. It'd be really sweet to have a standard format where we have all these beloved tribes actually battling each other out rather than, I don't know, different flavors of taking turns or uh, Sika's Chariot, Green. These are fine, but standard is at its best when people are playing with these fun and wacky cards from new sets. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely agree. I'm looking forward to those spooky boys, seeing all those spirits that we can get back. This time it looks like we're getting maybe less of them in in actual creature form because a lot of the disturb cards seem to disturb back as enchantments rather than creatures uh, but we'll see uh, i'm curious to see how that works out and if that archetype is i i'm a little excited about it because i think that archetype is going to give a nice refreshing change to disturb like it's not like the disturb archetype is going to feel like the same vector in this format i don't think but i'm also curious to see where the vamp the vampire tribe comes up, how that ends up, and if it's going to be the new werewolves where it's the vampire set, but the vampires aren't playable, we'll see. I'm curious if the werewolves will be playable in this set, because I feel that'll be pretty ironic if they are. And uh, mm. I'm curious how the blood tokens are going to play out. I don't think we've really been able to quite pinpoint just how valuable those will be, and it'll be interesting to suss that out in the first couple of days of the format. I imagine that will be answered quite quickly, uh, and these days mm. it seems... Most things like that are. Most of our initial questions about a set are answered in the first day or two. But um, yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go out on a limb right now and say they're going to be great. Like this is what I see as the smoothing mechanic of the set. This takes the place of something like cycling or learn something or or foretell something that makes uh, the games more playable, makes it turns potential non games into games, the ability to loot away something. Think of it as having a little baby environmental sciences, uh, like whenever you need it. Right. Uh, However, I do think you should crack all of your blood tokens as soon as possible to play around the four mana six, five flying trample that your opponent could drop at any moment, which would then get permanently buffed. For each blood token you have. <laughs> yeah, so Ben's referencing a card that was spoiled, I think, today. And uh-huh. it was it's a four mana five six flying trample at rare. But when you what is it? When you attack it you're no, whenever an opponent casts a spell, they get a blood token. Mm-hmm. And then when it attacks, it gets plus one plus oh for each blood token they have. And they misprinted the actual card. Um, it will be ret- like retconned um, or eroded to have until end of turn attached to that buffing clause, but uh, it's not actually printed on the card. So that'll make pre-release fun. But uh, that that's a that's something that tells me that the set is actually or that that the blood tokens are actually going to be quite powerful in this format. 
if they are comfortable printing, and I know we've seen Watsy print some egregious cards in the past, but they've been pretty good lately about powering things down. Like a lot of the Planeswalkers have felt pretty good in terms of power level. Like none of them are completely game breaking. Like if your opponent casts a Planeswalker, you just lose on the spot, but they are still powerful enough to be Planeswalkers. So I've liked what we've seen so far in terms of powering this, the, the formats down. And that leads me to believe that a four mana five, six flying trample rare with upside, those blood tokens are going to be valuable to your opponent. That That's going to have to be a real downside for them to really print a card like that. So mm, yeah, good reasoning. Also kind of curious about cleave. It's just kicker, right? But it just, it's it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about this more in our, our format breakdown. But yeah, cleave is a weird a weird mechanic. I love the video that Prof did on every hmm. every format or every uh, mechanic is just kicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's just kicker, sort of. Well, anyway, uh, I overall had a good time at Midnight Hunt, and I'm happy to not have to leave Innistrad yet. I'm, I'm ready to head into the uh, Eternal Night, maybe get an invite to this vampire wedding. Uh, the story should be fun this time around. Um, it looks like we're going to be having some wedding crashing involved. Yeah, and that was actually the next piece I wanted to mention. I'm very curious where they're going with this story because I don't exactly understand how it's going to tie into the Midnight Hunt story outside of the last bit where Olivia kind of stopped the Celestis thing. I, I'm very curious to see how it ties in and what this actually ends at. We've seen in the art a handful of, like, there are a lot of horrors in this set, but mm. they don't quite look Eldrazified. They look more Cthulhu-esque. So I'm very curious if there's going to be some tie-in with uh, who's the the black blue mythic. He like they they spoil the black blue mythic that that like calls up some like god of the oh sea yeah or some some kind of giant sea monster. This was foreshadowed a little bit last set when they're talking about uh, like the drowned god or disciple of the old ways or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Runo talking about old gods. He yeah, he Runo summons, summons he summons Krothus, Lord of the Deep who is a 3-5 Kraken Horror with flying, and when it attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of another target attacking creature, and if that creature's a, a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, you get two of them instead. And they don't disappear. That's just, pretty funny. Just make them, so... I don't know. We, we can tell you what. Let's uh, l- l- let's close up the show, then we'll come back to this. <laughs> Stick right, around right. for more, uh, more spoiler talk. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for sticking around. We do appreciate it. Hope you had some enjoyment out of the uh, Chaffee Awards. Let us know what your Chaffee Awards would have been given out to in the Discord. Uh, We would love to hear that. Um, And the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And then again, if you want to support the show directly, you can do so on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. If you want to reach out to us outside of the Discord, you can find us on social media. You can find Ben at Betafish1, myself at Zach E. Hackett, and the show directly at draftchaffpod all on Twitter. And that'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Or not, because, you know, we have some things to talk about. I've got to talk about Glorious Sunrise, dude. Three green green enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose one. Creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample till end of turn. Target land gains tap to add green 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 until end of turn. Draw a card if you control a creature with power three or greater. Or you gain three life. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. What doesn't this do? Um, yeah, uh, you know, um, not a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> doesn't give you extra combat steps. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. But, I mean, with that life gain, it, it buys you time to have That's extra true. turns, which can actually sure. come back. I mean, th this looks like... I, I, I don't think I can pass this card. This looks very much me. It has an overrun built into it. It has ramp built into it. Uh, it has card draw and life gain built into it. Like, this is good at any point, right? If you're ahead, behind, like, you're always going to want this card. Yeah, well, here's the thing. These sorts of cards hinge on one very important factor, and that is... Does it do something the turn it's played? And this one does if you play it in your first main phase. So you do have to kind of take your turn five off, but it buffs your team or lets your one of your lands tap for extra. You know, it does a lot of stuff. And typically yeah, by turn five, true. you're going to have that, that ability to draw a card. So at the very least, it's replacing itself on the turn you play it in most scenarios. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the worst thing you want to do is play this on five and gain three life. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you will want that. So... Yeah, this card seems absolutely phenomenal. A few other things to talk about. First of all, now by the point this episode releases, we probably will have seen the new Odric, and I'm sure you have all seen my my malignment in the chat about how sad I am that Odric's a vampire now. I don't know, but maybe as someone in the Discord mentioned, maybe we'll have a a blade scenario on our hands where we've got a vampire vampire hunter. You know, uh, could be. Who knows? I'm curious, I guess, well, you know, listener, you already saw the spoiler, I guess, by the time this is out. And I know, because by the time that you're hearing me say this, I know too. But as of the current recording, I'm very curious to know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hamlet Vanguard. Two and a green for a 1-1 one, one human warrior with Ward 2. It enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it for each other non-token human you control. This means you go turn one human, turn two human, turn three, five, five, ward two. That's sick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I personally am really looking at the this new rare spirit that was spoiled just before we started recording, Mirror Hall Mimic. And that's three and a blue for a zero zero spirit at rare, but it ETBs as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's a spirit in addition to its other types, and then has Disturb for three blue blue. And it disturbs back as an aura, so you enchant a creature, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you get a token that's a copy of the enchanted creature, except it's a spirit as well. Mm. Which, that's pretty yes, good. there's an opening there for your opponent to get just, just you know, wreck you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. if you get past that first upkeep, you at least get a copy of that creature that sticks around. So even if they kill the, the ghastly mimicry, you still keep that token. And then if they can't deal with it after the first turn, you're getting multiple copies of those of that card, and that's just that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, uh, we want to talk about Toxroll the Corrosive, the Slug Lord of. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, what's happening here? A legendary Slug Horror, five black black for a seven seven Mythic. The beginning of each end step, put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. Was that what the, the blue rare from this set put on it? Were those also slime counters? I gotta double I check that. I don't recall. Then uh, creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one for each slime counter on them. Build your own Whenever massacre worm. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And, but then it gets better, right? Whenever a creature you don't control with the slime counter on it dies, that's from any source, maybe the slime counter or something else, create a 1-1 one, one black slug creature token and finally, you can pay blue-black, sacrifice a slug, draw a card. What? <laughs> yeah, this well, is pretty what? This is pretty dope. 
I love that they made the activated ability blue black so you can use this as a Demir commander. <laughs> oh yeah, for all the slugs that have been printed. Probably, oh yeah, probably exactly. like fifteen of them. <laughs> also, I love that I can now have an opportunity to to look at my opponent across the table and say, "I'm a slack a, sack a slug." <laughs> <laughs> uh, block with slug sack slug yeah slime like, your love board it. <laughs> love it i hope the uh the animation on arena is like really amazing for this oh yeah i, I want to see some some thick goop drip all over my it's just it's just nickelodeon thing. like sliming all over <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what i'm picturing